time is it? Just went right into that one. I didn't give let you. Me, let me check my my trusty rusty watch here. It says it's time for Jerry and J Rob cover it all, and that's what we're doing. We're Are covering it all. Hello, everybody, and we're live. Well, not no. recorded. No, we're still recording. We're gonna oh, we're still recording. We're okay. gonna go. We're gonna try to do live maybe next week. All right. We're all still right. But we are from the fabulous BTX Coffee. That's true. Here in BTX Bertram, Texas. Coffee, best coffee in the world. So I no cap. No cap. I'm not even sure where that comes from. I don't know, but I hear the kids saying it nowadays. They say it. Yeah. I'm not cool enough to know. I mean, I can't help but be cool, so. Well, that's true. You are pretty cool. Bought <laughs> a motorcycle. You got to be cool. <laughs> All right. Well, today we have a very special guest with us. I'm used to facing the other way, so this, yes. is, this is awkward. I'm, yeah. trying, to, I'm yes. trying to get normalized here. So today we have Min. First name is Min. Last name is Tang. 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 It's like an orange juice. <laughs> orange juice powder. Tang. All right. So you, you got jokes. I know you do. You're yeah. going to have lots of stuff throughout the day. So yes. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to keep moving because I'll be laughing the whole time. So, Mr. Tang yes, sir. is a police officer for the city of Bertram. Yes. He's also been a police officer for other agencies, right? Yes, but not in Texas. Not in Texas. Where? Where's the other one? Back in California. Okay. Yes. Where in California? Uh, Riverside County. Riverside County. I got something to tell you later on. Let me yes. Remind me. So, Officer Tang has a or an incredible story and... Everything from being orphaned to being, you know, uh, not shipwrecked, but ship, uh, I don't know what you call it, just floating around the ocean in a boat, to some some trials and tribulations, and he's got a, he's got a great story, and you guys are really going to appreciate this. Uh, and Jerry's going to do a great job of asking questions today, because he I'm always gonna does. I'm going to do my best. So... Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you to jump right into it. Tell us, tell us kind of where you, where you come from, life in the beginning and how you ended up here today. And I know this is going to take a while. We'll probably just jump in with some questions, but just do your thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, I came from Vietnam. I was born in Vietnam, but my biological parents came from China. So they worked for the U.S. government for a few years before 1975, before the communist took over uh, South Vietnam. is like similar to South Korea and North Korea right now. So after 1975, both of my parents got sent into the re-educational game. It's more like a prison, but yeah, it, like they call it a nicer name, re-educational A little game. better than a concentration yeah. camp, right? So we end up with an orphan. We were in an orphan for, for my remembers, approximately a little bit over a year. So we got about like 350 kids. Most of the kids in there, uh, the parents work for the U.S. government. And anything, anybody that parents are associated with the U.S. government, the companies consider you a betrayer. So therefore, the, the orphan saying that if we don't escape from Vietnam or we don't leave that place, they are going to take all our kids to execute them all because they don't want any related to the America. So one night we was, I, what I remember, we was like on a little boat, from a little boat to so a small river to wait for the big boat to cross, and that way we can jump on the big boat to go across the oceans. 
So by the time a lot of small boats trying to catch up in the middle of the night, and somehow the communists found out, and they chase up from behind after we get on the big boat, and we keep on speeding out to what I remember is all the outdoors, they keep on back up the eight, uh, engine to get out of Vietnam. Well, we were still in Vietnam, the communists were shooting us up with the AK-47, and we were far enough that they didn't reach it to us. So by the morning, we was at the national water, and they turned around, and that time we, I think we broke three of our motor. We have four motor on that little boat, but we broke three, so we only had one motor, and a day after that, the motor died too. So therefore, we don't have any motor. We were dripping the ocean for at least almost two weeks with no food, no drinks. Wow, so you're lost at sea at that point. Yes, we, ha- we have no idea what we're doing. Even though the captain was literally, they claim as a captain, but they really is not a fishing. They, the, the captain that they have is really young too. They're around like 17 and 18. We were like nine, 10. So he does not have any direction that we're going to. What we does is, as long as we see a little light on the ocean far away from it, we go toward to that, all right? And after maybe after maybe about six or seven days, people are still dying. The old elderly cannot survive because they have no food, no drink. And we're surviving by eating some of the fruit that we have left. We can't drink the salt water, you know, even got more thirsty. And we have 131 people on board. The boat was only like 12 meter long, four meter width. When you stand up, you lose your seat. When you sit down, you literally bend, you know, your both foot tight together. Mm-hmm. So after almost five, six days, people start dying, and then we got no food. And the older group that cutting off the dead body and start dividing those dead body pieces to us. And we swallow it. People ask me how it, how it like when I'm telling the story. We say, oh, you're lying. It's not. We swallow it just to survive. And after... So that's pretty amazing. You're a nine-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. You're on a boat. You've got nothing. You're adrift. You, for all you know, you could be dead the next day. And they're feeding you other people that have died on the boat. Yeah, because we're going to throw in the ocean. And they were saying we're going to throw in the ocean anyway because we don't have to leave the dead body for a few days. Right. Like you know, rotten and smell stuff. So we, after when they cut it out, they divide each person for a couple of pieces, we swallow it. And after a day, we saw another light. At night, we saw another light far away. We keep on going that. And by the time we get to that light in the morning, it was the private from Thailand. They trying to rob us. So they came up to us, they raped all the women, and they was gonna kill us all with all the men because you know they don't want us to do anything. They scared that we might even fight back for because we have more. Uh, we have like about twenty guys, uh, those guys on the boat, mm-hmm. and the rest of them is kid and then about like maybe what I remember, like fifteen or sixteen women. They rape them all, take all the jewelry stuff. So they left us, and what they do is they damage the other motor too. So now we have no engine at all. Originally we had four. We broke down to one. Now we don't have any. We keep on dripping for another. I remember another two and a half day, we saw a big, big ship far away from us. We keep on waving at that. They say that they cannot rescue us unless, like, when they get close to us, they say we can, because we didn't understand English. The people that are on the boat didn't understand English. They keep on telling us to break the boat. They would rule into international water unless the boat starts singing, 
they can rescue it. But the boat is not sinking, you rescue it. So we're not going to break the boat because we're still on the boat. So later on, we've, I don't know, somehow one guy figured out that they want us to break the boat. So we start breaking the boat, the water start coming into the boat. And that's when they start sending out one of those big metal brackets down to carry like maybe most is 10 people up every single time. So by the time I got up to, to one of those big ships, a captain picked me up and I tell him, in my mind, I tell him, you giving birth to me again. I probably died already, you didn't give me birth. Yeah. So, and we was in that ship for roughly about another day. They took us to Malaysia, Malaysia Island, which is an island right in the Pacific Ocean, roughly about 45 minutes to an hour away from the land. So the reason why they kept all the refugees there after 1975, the Malaysia government doesn't want to do anything with us. They kept there, the United Nations will give the money to you know support us. Otherwise, there's no country support waiting to a country to come in to take us away from it. Otherwise, we were staying there. So they got nothing to do with us. We were staying in an island was very, very difficult to survive. We have 40,000 people refugee in that island, which is the side of a, a football field. And the sanitary wow. issue was incredible. No? And there's no fresh water. Okay, fresh water, they have to transfer from the land. Every week they have a big ship to transfer those fresh water. Those fresh water is really limited. We only use it for drinking or cooking. So rest of the water we have to find a will, the people that trying to dig will to, but again, you're in the island right in the middle of the ocean. When you dig that will, right. all the way down, they come up, the water is still salty. Right. And that's right. why we were showering. We are using all that for, for, um, for your daily use. And I was there for roughly, because I don't have any relative. I don't have any sponsor, any from like Canada, United States, Australia, any other country you name. We don't have any family. So me and my brother and sister don't have that. So we were waiting for a country to come and pick us up like a church, you know. So you have siblings there with you? Yes. How old are you at this point? At this point, I'm uh, roughly about almost 10 right now. 10? Yeah, 10. And your, your siblings were how old? My sister was about teenagers, like 16, 15 and 16, and my brother's about 19 and 20. Okay, yeah. so you're the youngest in the yes. group? All right. So, so at this point, I'm, this is a lot, right? Your parents have been taken away from you. Yes. In communist uh, Vietnam, right? Viet Cong, they call it Viet Cong. Right. Communist, right. yeah. So they're taken away. You guys escape with other people. You get on a one small boat. They transfer you to another large boat. You get you get moving out to sea. At some point, the uh, the military there realizes that you have left, and they're coming after you. Yes. They're shooting at you. They don't hit anybody that we know of, right? You're still, but you're out at sea for days. Your motors quit working. You've got. Was there was there even a place that you guys were headed to that you know? We don't know. We don't have an option. Right. We don't know where we go. Either we leave somewhere, we still have a chance to live. Yeah. Or we stay behind. We're all gonna die. Right. Okay. So so you're out in the water. You were gonna die if you stayed. You took the chance. You hit the water. You're out there. Motors are falling apart. Bad things are happening. People are dying. You're having to do. Uh, the older the older people there are doing cannibalistic things so that you guys can survive. You see a light one night. You think maybe it's somebody going to save you. It ends up being pirates. Yeah. They show up. 
they rape the women. Uh, it sounds like they take some jewels and stuff like that. Yeah, because Asian, we the only thing that we carry, we don't believe bang yeah. after nineteen seventy five. All we believe is all the gold that we carry. That's right. our cash. Right. Yeah. So they took all that stuff, mm-hmm. left you there. Um, they didn't kill anybody, I guess. No, they didn't. Okay, yeah. but you're there. Women have been abused. You guys could do nothing. You're still out there. Eventually, another boat comes by, but they're telling you they can't pick you up with if you're not in distress. I think you're in distress already, yeah. but you're not in distress unless your boat is sinking. Yes. So you have to sink your own boat to, to get, get them to pick you up and put you in the ship. Yes. Am I caught, I've caught up so far. Yes. That's that's enough. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Keep going, keep going, yeah. keep going. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when we get into the refugee game for three years, I'm kind of, because I speak a little bit of English because my parents was, you know, work, living in the U.S. territory and the French territory when I was in Vietnam. So I kind of doing a lot of translation for uh, Chinese. Because some Chinese live in Vietnam like myself because before 1975, it was a democracy in South Vietnam. So a lot of Chinese investors, they want to leave the communists like China to South Vietnam to have a better life. So, and therefore, they have a lot of Chinese there. So I speak Chinese, so I was able to help people that don't speak English when they get up to um, to, to the uh, refugee islands, which is, uh, I still remember that island. I want to go back there and visit, in fact. But now it's a nice resort right now. I would never want to go back when I was there because I see that island is a... You know, it's a nightmare to me. Uh-huh. You know? So, so um, I help them, and then uh, I still don't know how to read and write. All I know is speak the language. That's all. I, I mean, I tell a lot of kids I don't know how to read and write until like 13 or 14. And a lot of kids have this opportunity in the United States to be in school, to do good in school, have an opportunity, but they won't take it. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like, oh, that's a lot of people wish to have that opportunity yeah. but they couldn't you know like myself and that's why until this age I'm, I'm 51 I'm still going to school because I'm still falling behind a lot of stuff I wish I was here younger I have the foundation of the language I don't everything I have to do like twice or three times harder than any other person when I've been in college or in high school it took me almost 10 years for my college degree in AA and then finally I got into my BA right now I'm almost done with my BA. So I was telling kids, you know, stay in school, stay in school. You don't want to go into what my track is, you know. Yeah. What, what I went to, you know, it's not easy. So it's probably, I mean, just thinking from my own perspective, looking at it, it it's probably difficult to see kids now that are your age that you were when you were going through all of that, yes. complaining about mommy didn't let me play on my iPad and things, and you're just like, are you kidding me right now? For example, I'm also a school resort officer right now at the school, talking about food survivorship when we was in, in, in uh, the island. A lot of food, we have to go hunt for in the island, I eat. We don't have resort, so you gotta eat what you have. Mm-hmm. You have to eat mountain rack, right? You have to eat snake. You have to eat stuff that you would never want to eat. But for survivorship, you have to eat. And now I'm at the school, I've seen kids that getting their food, their tray, they don't even touch it. and Just I, throw it away. Just throw it away. And a simple as I tell one kid at school, just an apple that you're holding, it was only in my dream that I dreamed to have that apple and eat. And a soda, a Coke is the same way. I tell them, 
you throw away some, the stuff that it was only in my dream to able I mean, to to get it, you know. So they they don't understand. It's kind of part of it. Kind of like man, I was like, I just want you to feel that have that kind of feeling that you would never throw food away, you know. Right. And they have a lot of opportunity. Not even though before now in America that kid have no idea that we live in this land of land of opportunity, land of dream. They got no idea. There's no country in the world that give you opportunity that they give it to you in America. Amen. And there's yes, no country that also if you work hard you accomplish your dream. Uh -huh. This is right here I'm sitting at it. I'm accomplish my dream as a police officer. I want always wanted to be a police officer my whole entire life. Okay. So I tell a lot of kids in the same way that I'm telling my story, some of them get it, some of them still, you know, they haven't been to that. They wasn't in my shoe. Right. Yeah, they don't have that specific feeling that, man, that's an opportunity right there. So you, so you see like the younger generation, a lot of college kids and stuff nowadays that are advocating for communism and socialism, and you're probably just like, you have no idea what that even means or what that equates to, what you're, what you're asking, what you're trying to get accomplished in your own country. I told him, you break my heart. Yeah. You guys are breaking my heart. You have no idea how you live in a, a, a communist society yet. I've been in that communist society. Simple step, to get a basket of water of a daily use to the world. You have to walk by one of the communist military guys with the AK-47. If they don't like how you look, they'll shoot you, they'll kill you. Yeah, people don't realize how lucky we are and how much we support we are in America. And I always tell people, if you don't like this country, leave. We don't want you to be here. Amen and amen. Well said. So, so you're in a refugee camp. Yes. And uh, so, tell us where you, where you kind of make it from there, and, and you. So you're helping others. Helping you know some English, mm -hmm. and and uh, so how did that help you to get get where you're going? Um, I would, we were waiting for opportunity for many years. Once every year, United States of America company will scoop the people that do not have a relative from a third world country, and especially for the minor that don't have parents, and they scoop us up. But you have to wait. You know, usually people in the refugee camp that their parents that work for the U.S. government. I got no paper again. If my, I have paperwork that proof that my parents will work with the U.S. government, I would have been gone in the refugee camp right. for at least maybe three or four months. But we were there for three years almost because we don't have all those documents to prove because during the war, everything burned. I don't even know my identity. Up until right now, my first name and last name is because I don't know how to read. So when you get into a refugee camp, the older kid that they filled up the application for you and they filled up the date of birth for you. So the David Bird, I'm not too sure if it's right or not until now. I'm just following that from all the documents from the refugee camp to now. And um, it's, it's a rough life because I look back, I've seen a lot of Americans here, we have everything. And we still live like the condition that wasn't where I live in the, in the refugee camp. All we have is like a metal head and four pieces of wood that we chop up from the tree stand it up and that's what we lived in for a few years like that hmm. so yes yeah, so I, I a few years ago i went to the philippines and i got to see kind of that level of poverty mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the shanty towns that they build out of literally whatever they can find. Yes. And uh, I, I began to learn a lot myself just to, man, we really have it so good in America. And also, I, I, I also say this, a lot of Vietnamese, they forget where they come from. Mean that a lot of them, they go into hardship, all our stuff in their past. When they came to America and they accomplished their, what they have, they're doing good in business. When they're a kid, they don't know how to implement in their kid. And they also very, very forget where they come from, mean that they're very lavish. They don't know where they come from. They don't remember we came from nothing in the United States, all we have, what we have in our body. And to the point that they are so lavish. And it's like all the kids get from their parents. What they see a parent do, mangi do, mangi do. They want to learn from a parent. The parent just brand name stuff. No, I tell people to to this point right now. Um, I went came from a very very long way to. Uh, right now, my wife has been in sick. Otherwise, I have three business. Okay, two nail salon and coffee shop, and, um, and I was going to school at the same time. Like going doing my college, going doing my. Uh, Police Academy at the same time. And I'm proud of it, what I have. And I turn around and look back, we came from a long way. And also I tell people that, you know, this is the only country that can give me that opportunity, can give everyone else. If I can't do it, anyone else can do it. I also talk to a lot of Native American, American Asian, American Caucasian, African American. They was born here, they have a way upper hand that I do especially with the language barrier that uh-huh. I had when I first came to this country. I always tell them, look, if we have the same qualification, they would pick you out of than me. That's because you are Caucasian, right? So my dad always tell me, you know, you, you standing on a white man land, regardless of what you're gonna do in the future, you're not gonna become a president. Cool. I understand that. That's true, I accept that, I accept that, okay? I accept that because I accept, also accept the opportunity, the chances that American society gave it to me. Meaning, right. give it to me, you have to go work for it. Not just standing here, sitting here and waiting for opportunity. It's not going to work. Yeah. You know, my dad's always say, you have to go to a church to pray. I'm not talking about religion. Anything. You have to go to the temple to pray. The gods are not going to come to your house. You have to go out there and hustle for your opportunity. And you have to work hard. Luck it come in, but you also have to work hard. So, so you're in the in the in the refugee camp for three years, yes. and you're seeing at times other other kids being taken out, and you're just kind of like, man, when is it going to be my turn? Right. So when it came your turn, or or maybe you left that place a different way, but tell us about um, you know your experience, how you the left process. the process. Yeah, well, it's hard. And... It's another struggle, uh, uh, survivorship, when it came to America, too. I have to learn from A to Z. When I, I was, we were happy that I'm leaving that refugee camp. I go, yeah, you know, I've got to go to America. But when you get here, it's a total su- different survivorship. I mean, literally, you don't speak the language, okay? You have to learn from A to Z from the beginning, and you have to learn it. You don't, you can get anywhere. I live in upstate New York, Buffalo before, and which is all Caucasian. We don't have, we don't have a translator. We don't have a dictionary. If you don't understand that word of English, find out. Look into, look into the English to English translate. Back in those days, back in, I think it was like, eighty seven, eighty eight. There's no internet. Right. right. Yeah. 
It's no, no it's like Google. For me to learn something, it took me a while. Right. Yeah, the, from A to Z, I have to write like, I have, from I remember, like, that alphabet, I have to write more than like 3,000 half from A to Z to write that, just to memorize it. Right. Yeah. So, and then English is the most difficult language to hold down the world, right? It's, it's a lot of rules. It's like, that's why I tell my dad, English is their way or the freeway. In Chinese, you can read, I can read Chinese and write Chinese. You can read left to right and right to left, up and down. It still means something. Or you can put word, word take word here and there, become a sentence, but not English. Yeah. I'm still learning to become a better writer. And up to this day, that I've been in America for quite a certain amount of time, 30 years. So, right. And still learning English, that's why I tell people. I'm still taking my English class. So, well, learning all the time. That's that's exactly right. It's always it's always a personal development. It's always moving forward. But did you sit around and cry about stuff and think, oh, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna be this or mope around or you know just give up because it was hard? I I don't see you doing that. To tell you, I don't have it. That's a lie. But they do. But you have to overwhelm, you have to overwhelm what you're going to do, right. you know, because it's not going to get better, right? If you don't go out there and you're not going to continue to learn, it's not going to get better. If you sit around, not going to help. Not going to help. The only way That's to help, right. go hammer it, continue in it. I failed so many tests, I'm telling you, I failed so many tests that to the point that I'm afraid to take tests. But I will come to it. And there's some good instructor and showing me how to do that. And because my, again, going back to my English barrier, because my English barrier, I'm lack of the basic foundation of English. I don't get that, but I'm not, like you say, I'm not gonna sit there and cry. But right? you can't do it this time, try it, try it, try it. And that's the only way. There's no other way. That's why I tell my kid, my, my stepdaughter too. So, no, you can't, that's why I tell her, you can't sit and cry. Right. It's not gonna help you. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, in fact. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the the issues that we're having in in our society today is we have come to the place where you know if you sit back and cry long enough about it, somebody will just do it for you or give it to you or give you your participation trophy. Yeah, pay your college uh, so, tuition. So there's no motivation to work hard anymore. Right. I don't think people, just like you mentioned earlier, I don't think people are suffering enough right now. I don't. They're not low enough. American people, we complain a lot. Yeah. yeah. We don't. It's, it's a kind of my culture, too. We learn a lot to take it like a man. Do it. Just silent and do it. If I see you can do it, I'm jealous of you as in a good way. I want to be that. I tell myself, that's my model right there. Yeah. Okay, I want to speak like him. I want to eat the way how I like him. Even be better, but I'm going to work on it silently. But I'm not gonna sit there and cry and waiting for you to come and help me. But society right now is all hand out and waiting for me to come and help. And people tend to be same thing. My wife, kid, is like they're all waiting for a hand out. You know, they're all waiting for you to help them. Well, I can't do that. No, yes, you can. Figure it out like a man. Figure it out like an adult. Yeah. Okay. So. If, if this way doesn't work, go figure out another way. And it's always, nothing is easy. Just keep that in mind. Right. But Americans tend to think that everything is easy. Right. The younger generation especially, 
I mean, I'm not going to try to say anything about younger generation, but <laughs> they are—they are thinking everything is so easy. Yeah. There's nothing is easy to me. Yeah. When it's coming easy to me, oh, good. I mean, that's my luck right there. Yeah. So. Okay. So, you—you <clears throat> you get adopted. So tell us about that. It's very hard to adapt to uh, Caucasian parents because first of all, I didn't understand what they say, and also. Uh, she had to homeschool me into almost graduate high school. And at that time, I still was so behind of my language barrier. My level of English is like, maybe when I graduate grade 12, maybe like grade eight, grade nine. So, and it was hard, it was hard. And it's hard for my parents to understand me. It's hard for me to adapt to American society because I never see snow in my life before. Yeah. Okay, I never shovel snow. I never lived in a farm before. I live in a farm, so we were we was happy that we have food on the table every weekends for growing family to eat. That's why we were so enjoyable. We don't need we don't have a lot, but we was having a good life. Yeah. Between my parents and myself, you know. So. So you you're there on the island, just some random people you've never met. They show up, and did they just pick you? Is no, that uh, we was in the islands. We got paper to come to America. And what we do, we still have no idea who's going to adapt it as. And my immigration paper doesn't even have a picture on it. So by the time I land in Buffalo, um, there's a white couple holding my name on it. doesn't even have a picture. Yeah. So I don't know who it is. I'm just following. Because I don't. I mean, we're happy to leave that. But right. we come in here. So we're just following home. And it's a Catholic church organization that adapted us. First, I was living in church for a few days and then I head home to him. But again, it's really hard. The food is different. I mean, are you not gonna eat American food? <laughs> All right, you're gonna be starving. So you have to learn how to adapt that, uh, to that. We don't eat cheese. So a lot of stuff is all over again. So it's like learn from A to Z again. Mm -hmm. Now, even though it's like a little kid, like you first born and your mom feeds you, so mm -hmm. they feed you what you have and you eat what you have. Right. And most of my time was homeschooling. Uh, until uh, I was almost graduate grade 12 and I went into uh, uh, grade 12 the last six months of it and then I graduated high school and then I moved on to college you know? but again it's also a struggle you know in college because you, you learn how to adapt to a different life now you're independent right? you learn how to be independent it's a little bit harder too and I went far away <laughs> to my mom and my dad to California that's why I end up in California. Good. Yeah. Very good. So you're in California. They're homeschooling. They homeschooled me in Buffalo. In Buffalo. And, and then you went to California. Went to California for my college. Okay. All right. So I went gotcha. to college there and I met my wife in California. Okay. All right. Yeah. And she also a boat people. We call it boat people. She also had <laughs> to escape Vietnam. Yeah. So um, I met her when she would have her first husband and then she was on the way up. Because our culture is women mean nothing to them doesn't have a value. Mm -hmm. So she left her husband for treating her like a, a slave. That's typical Asian and uh, any third world country. So she left her, same thing, she left her husband without any money, doesn't speak the language, doesn't have a driver license, and she made it too. And with her, she had a little bit worse background than I have. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm gonna bring her one day to talk about yeah. what she got. I, yeah. I think we'd love to hear from her as well yeah. if, if she's she, up for it. Because 
you, she's got she's got an issue as well, right? She's she's not well. Yes, but she can speak. Yeah. She can speak. She okay. can have a, a normal conversations, and um, we we starting everything from the beginning. We were living in. Well, I'm going to school. We're living in an apartment for two of us for nine hundred dollars. We, when I met her, I only had four hundred dollars in my pocket. She had a couple thousand dollars. So we did a little table boot rentaling to do nail in a nail hair salon. From that on, we moved up bit by bit. We worked seven days. Our last vacation was September one, two thousand eleven. Yeah, September eleven, two thousand eleven. So, and more than twenty years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we work seven days a week, no day off, continuing it and trying it. We're not going to sit there. We say we're going to make it. We're going to buy a house. So finally, we're buying a house. And California is kind of moving toward to the direction that I have a feeling that one day, that's where I left. Uh-huh. And I'm coming to California to leave behind to go back. My <laughs> similar society that I lived back yeah. home. No. So we moved to Texas. And we opened a nail salon in, in, in Leander. And right after that, a couple of years, we we're making good money because we work seven days a week. And she's always stressed. So she's having aneurysm. Right now, we have to start all over again. But uh, yeah. So she, has, she had an aneurysm yes. and don't know what caused it or anything like that. But she, stress. Stress. Yeah, stress. Huh. And okay. uh, that's why I tell people when any family violence that I go to on call, I just sit them down and talk. And do you want to live my life? I mean, I can't blame myself. It's not my fault. So, um, so I, I tell people that unless you want to live the life that I live right now, but I'm still not complaining. Like, not only one person have, don't have a life, she doesn't have a life, I don't have a life too. But who right. am I going to blame? Right. Nobody. Right. Okay, it's not a society. The things happen to us. You know, I found her unconscious in the kitchens. When I get home, or scare me. She's still alive. That's what I want. Right. Yeah. So that's something that, that a lot of people don't understand. Jerry has family with significant medical problems. We do as well, and people don't always understand the how much that drains you and how much effort you got to put in, and that it's it's not like they're okay. It's not like a pet. You got to take care of that person. You, you and they they need it. They need you for everything. Right. Pretty pretty significant. Well, society doesn't understand. Right. Society is always, always look at not the deep side of it. Always look like, you know what? They always think the society own them. American society don't own anybody. That's what I tell all the kids. You don't have this. Go out there and work and get it. Okay. They, we don't own you, or somebody else don't own you. The government don't own you. Nothing. That's what I tell people. You came from the country that got nothing. You come into this country, you made what you have. You should be proud of it, okay? If you don't go out there and hustle and get it, that's your fault, I tell that's you, right. kid. Yeah. It's not the society's fault, it's your fault. Her kid was born in America, went to college when he was 19 years old. Now he's almost 37. They still have not graduating this college. You know, I sit him down and go, look, it's not the society's fault. It's not the education fault. It's your fault because the age degree is only two years. What's wrong with you? There's got to be right. something wrong with you. Yeah. That's right. Because look at this man. I work seven days a week. I still able to get my A degree. I'm a hustler. Yeah. Go and get it. You know, well, I don't know what I want. I go, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah. It's not a society problem. 
okay? Finish it, but they don't. So they think in society own them, we own them. I said, I don't own you nothing. That's right. Okay, so, and That's again, right. I tell everybody, a lot of, a lot of my uh, Vietnamese community, there's, some of them are very successful, some of them are doing very good in life, but there's also a lot of them that came to this America and take advantage of our system, which is I don't like. I mean, yes, it's out there, it's out there, but it's only necessary for the people that need it, not for you because you don't want to go to work. Yeah, I like yeah. this guy. I'm telling you, spitting this truth. <laughs> this, this is it. This is, this is our, probably one of our number one problems today. Yes. Is this right here. It's, it's the lack of day school, you know, approach to everything, which has put us in the same issue that we have with our government right now, the same issues that we have in society right now. You just told us, these people that are kind of pushing for more of a communist look at things, they think they're going to get these things for free and they don't have to work. That's not what happens. You get to be a slave. You so get to I be told what to do. I told him like, you like to be in communist. If you make twenty dollar today, the government take your twenty dollar and holding hand each other, we all share equally. Would you do that? No. If you work overtime and staying home, and your paycheck come out, you have to share with equally with all us. Right after work, we holding hand. That's how communists roll. Do you want to do that? They say no. No. <laughs> so why would you think? You have free school, like what go back to what you say. We got free. No, that's not free. That's my social security and your social security and our social security. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, society right now. I don't think I get my any of my social security at all. Probably not. Right. No yeah. good chance. Yeah, good chance. Exactly. And again, I always explain to people that if nobody put money in the pot. How we're gonna get money later on to pay for other stuff? Right. We don't, right? If you don't put a dollar, I don't put a dollar. None of I put a dollar every day. There's no money in that pot. Where do you think that money coming from? Right, right. And, and I think you're talking about just the that's that's the okay part of it. That's yeah. that's like the least bad part of it, right? Yeah. Never mind the guy that's going to abuse you, the guy that's going to shoot you because he doesn't like you, the guy mm-hmm. that's going to break up your family, the stuff that you experienced that you're just talking about. It's not like you go into a society like that and it's just everybody shares and everybody gets along and everybody's happy and it's a utopia. It's not. It's not. It's not. You're, in a, you're oppressed. You're in an oppression. And at best, you get to survive. You get to live, maybe. So in the, in the communist society, there's no middle class. You might have, I would say, most is 3% of rich and 97% of them are poverty, under the poverty line. And I asked the younger generation, do you want to live under the poverty? No. Then go out there and work. Right. And start contributing into back to the society. Sometimes people come and tell me that I don't like America, I hate America. I go, what have you done for America, first Ooh. of all? Ooh. That's mm. a good one. That's a tell good me, one. what have you done? Right, yeah. They said, mm. I go, yes. Ask yourself first. Yeah. So don't ask society, give it to you, and you haven't done anything to the society. I'm not trying to take talk like I'm a big hero or anything. I always believe that you have to work hard to yeah. get what you have. So. So you had a, you had a, a nail salon. Yes. And two nail salons. Two nail salons. And a coffee shop. And a coffee shop. And then COVID hit. COVID hit, 
the nail salon, both of them, it was sold for like half of the price. We just want to get out, you know, because my wife's pretty sick. We can't, oh no, oh, we can't even run, the, I can't run it, I have a full-time job. At that time, I was able to help her when, I was able to help her when I get off of my off duty and go and do all the accounting, all the stuff for her, and we have to solve all of that. And I lost my coffee shop, I'm not going to sit there and cry. I'm still paying for my debt right now. It's over, a little bit over 250000 to 300000 And I'm still paying for it. I'm yeah. still owning the bank money. But again, I'm, as I say, I'm not going to sit and cry. And when you do business, there's a risk. There's a risk. There's a risk. Mm -hmm. And it's not always, if there's not a risk, I can tell you there's no cool people on the street. Everybody's going to be in the business. Right. So, so you're a, you're a full-time policeman. Yes. What was there... I'm just wondering, is your background experience the reason that you chose to get into protecting other people and serving the community, or was there another reason why you became a police officer? I uh, came from a family. My, my dad it was uh, serving the military before. Okay. He was in the Army. So it came back from more like a, a military family for many years. And my personality is more, I feel like, I rather go and serve other people than letting people serve me, helping other people. I want to be able to help, not to really get help. Right. Yeah. So after my wife, what happened? And people trying to help me too. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't need. I remember uh, two years ago, there's an older lady driving on 29 around 2:30 in the morning. Not older. I would say she's around 40, and she ran out of gas. And I gas station closed there at 10 o'clock. It was 2:30 in the morning. I got one of the little container, went to um, burn it and get some gas and pull it back to her and her, because okay? I don't want to stop on the freeway and it's too dangerous, right? So her husband been looking for me for the last two years. Oh, really? The only Asian officer. And last Christmas, he finally found me, got some cake. Well, thank you for what you do. Can I offer you some money? I said, no, give me a job. I'm not going to take your money. Yeah. Yeah, give me a job. He owned a limousine company. I asked him to give me a job. Get me a job. I go work for it, then I feel more deserved with the money than just gave me something. I don't believe in handout. I don't believe in something. Well, we want to help you because we found out your wife. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm caught up on my belt, and I know it's expensive to maintain my wife to stay home, all the medical insurance right. and all the stuff that I need to. But I told people I'm okay, so and I don't need help. Yeah. I will ask for help, but again, it's hard for me to ask for help. It's hard for a lot of us to ask. Yeah, for help. especially the, uh, my background and when I got into this industry, law enforcement. A lot of time we don't cry, you know. Yeah. And a lot of law enforcement, they know that we want to doesn't want to show a weakness, but we have a lot of weakness as law enforcement, and I want the public to know too because I mean we are human beings. That's right. Right. We make mistakes. Just because you put a badge yeah. on doesn't change. Yeah, doesn't change right. the facts. Tell people my gun and badge mean nothing to me. Okay, when I take out my guns and badge, I'm still an ordinary citizen. So I tell people I will treat you with the way that I want to be treated. And so far, so good. Knock on wood. The citizen of Bertram like me. That I think I did it. I'm doing a, a okay job. Not well, good, yeah. but okay. What's well, not the like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do a great job, and yeah. you know you, you're yeah. you've got a great story. You you care about people. I do, you know, like I say, every people that I encounter, what can I do to help you get out of this? You don't need to stay in it. I always tell them, your potential 
is a sky, it's a limit. That's right. Okay. I can make it. English is not my first language, it's my third and fourth language. Right. I still made it. And what can you do? All you have to do is try a little bit harder. Because you're born in America, you have an upper hand than I do. I feel so aggravating that they're not trying because I right. wish I have your opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was sitting in your chair. I wish I have, I don't. Yeah, there's a there's a phrase that I was taught uh, years ago by one of my pastor friends. He said, "Others are doing it; you can do it too." Yes, but even better, I tell people. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not much smarter than you. I tell people, I'm not smart. You know what? The only thing that I have it, I don't give up. That's it. I try and try and try. Yeah, perseverance. Over and I can tell you, there's time that I wanted to give up, but I don't. The next day, I woke up and do it again. Yep. Pick up and do it again. Do it again. So, very good. Well, man, that's this fantastic. Guy, this guy makes me want to make this the Jerry and J. Robin Tank Show. No doubt. We made this guy <laughs> all the time. That's what we need. We no, need but the the society is out of control to me. Yeah. I mean, I it live. Is out of control. I live in a communist. I live in a democracy. We sacrifice our life to get to democracy. Mm-hmm. Every one of me that's sitting right here right now, average of three out of Vietnamese died in the ocean after 1975. Wow. So I'm proud of it. I'm lucky that I'm here. That's why I'm telling. I look back to myself. The other three didn't make it. Yeah. Even though they make it to the refugee camp, they got sick and stuff. They died in the refugee camp. Look at how bad luck they have. I have a very luck, good luck in my life. I tell people, even though I have to go to eating stuff that I'm not supposed to eat for survivorship, living a very poverty life, only have a couple pair of pants, didn't even have shoes to walk on the sand stuff. But I'm lucky. Still, I'm still being alive, and I came to this country that gave me so much opportunity. Again, I we we freight us again. There's no other country in this world will give you an opportunity that I have. That's powerful. It's very powerful. It's no Great other stuff. country, no other opportunity. It's, I always tell people, land of the dream, land of the opportunity. But you need to go get it. Yeah. You can't stay home, land of the dream, and it's come. No, land of the opportunity, it's come. No, you have to go out there and hustle it. it. And again, I did it. I did it, I make it, and I tell people that you can do it too. It's depending on how much you want it. Yeah. Okay, my wife also doesn't speak a word of English, but she made it. She doesn't have a high school diploma. Man, she's a good Mm business-minded, super, super good business-minded. She doesn't, never been in a school the whole entire life. She's 56 right now. Like, we don't have opportunity to go to school. We live in Vietnam. It's doing the work, property, and that's why nobody knows how to read and write. Your last name and first name is people write it for you and show you how to write it mm-hmm. after that. So two things that we didn't cover yet. Uh, one of them mentioned yesterday to me. Uh, the first one is you had a brother and sister. Yes. What happened to them? They adopted by a different ma- uh, family in Canada. So they went to Canada. Yeah, Canada yeah. Did you have any contact with them at all? I do, but I try not to because we don't have the sibling feel anymore because um, every time I, I always tell my wife, Phone, we go both way. I call them. I feel like that they 
worry about. I calling them to ask for help, to ask for money. So I don't have that sibling. Okay. I say. So you're not that close. Not that close. Okay. I always tell people that I don't have friends, but I do have family. The law enforcement family, all my friends, they are my family. Right. Right. So, and the family that I get to pick. There you go. Yes. There you that's go. a good way to do it. Yeah. The final thing is, your wife. You were telling me also that your relationship is more or less kind of a taboo relationship. It's not. It's not looked upon with with. Uh, grace in the Asian community, right? Yes, uh, in our culture, so Vietnamese culture and Chinese culture is really close. So Vietnamese culture, it takes a lot of from French, from Chinese. So with our culture, um, somehow, as a man, we're not allowed to marry an older woman. If we do, what they do is they have a rule. They put you in one of those fishing net, they dump you in the ocean and, and drown you and kill you because you're not supposed to be to have to marry women to have kid and older than you. So their impression that every man in China, every man in Vietnam to marry a, a virgin girl. Ooh. So not that's why you don't see that much divorce. But now a day they are more catch up with the foreign society before mm-hmm. once you marry you stick with that person for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's what our culture is. Yeah, and most of my family doesn't accept that me that I'm married to first of all an older woman, older than me, have kid and also Vietnamese. So this is how it looked like in Asia. Japanese is all in a top of class and then they come to Korean and come to Chinese and come to Vietnamese. Vietnamese is almost like the bottom with the Filipino stuff. Uh-huh. So they feel it's a degrade to the family that you marry a lower class mm. of uh, 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 culture, so. Right, right. Okay, final question, I'll leave you alone. We talked yesterday kind of about world, world events that are going on right now, and China, you know, kind of have an impending siege of, of Taiwan that's kind of hanging out there right now. What do you think about that? What do you think um, are the ramifications of that? So, so Taiwan's out there by itself. America is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of protecting it, kind of not. But China is making it very clear that they want to take that that place. I've never been in the military before. Again, I came from a Chinese culture. I'm talking from my own opinion. Mm. This is all my own opinion. Um, I don't believe China will mess with America. Mm. So, for a good example. Um, they like to show up what they have, but seriously, we don't know what they have. Okay, they could say I have this, I have that. Simple as that. Every military man in China, on their gear, whatever they're on their gear, around like twelve hundred Americans. Their their equipment stuff. But as an American military man, we equip more than forty thousand dollars on the body. Yeah. So there's no there's no match. That right. I'm trying to say it because. You know how um, I always say how a drum, when you empty a drum, when you hit them the drum, it's loud. America has a, a, the drum that we have a lot. We keep on sticking in here, but we don't show it. Yeah. But I don't think they will start the war with us. That I don't know, because I'm not a war analyzed too, but I know Chinese is not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If they get into war, they're not going to make it. Because also the mentality of Asian people are very selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. 
they don't have the patriotic of American. Right. right. We do have that, but before now, I don't know. That's right. American right. society right now. What they're going right now, and I want to tell American public too, uh, public out there, don't think communist is that what you think. Yeah. Okay. Don't. Okay. Don't. And there's a time that you will disappear or your whole family disappear without. No, without even notice or without nobody notice. Right. Okay, with no reason at all. And that's what happened to my mom and my dad. Right. Right. Okay. The overnight, they came in, they take them all, they put stuff in my other house, and they confiscate the house, and take both of them to the jail. And there you go. All the stuff that you have, the assets to you have, is belong to the government right now. I asked, I asked all the younger generation, if you own that car, all of a sudden the government took away your car. You okay with that? No, no not. No. no. <laughs> then, you know what? Don't complain. That's right. Yeah. Don't complain. Don't complain. I mean, this four year, I don't know. Hopefully, next term would be better life for us. You know, make America better again. You know? so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, man. Amazing. That's it's an incredible yeah, thank story. Thank you for yeah. being I appreciate here you sharing. Is there anything I didn't ask you that's, that's, I mean, I don't know how you could have even anything more amazing in your life, but is there anything else we didn't ask you about that, that, that's important? If I can think up, I'm going to write it down for you guys, so okay. yeah, I can do it. Yeah, we can and, do it again. We can do it again, or you can, we can do it. it. We can have another show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The Jerry J. Robin Tank Show. Jerry J. Robin Tank, <laughs> JJT. <laughs> Thanks for coming well, in, Thank man. you. I really yeah. appreciate thank you. you. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. It was, yeah. it was good, and um, I think some people are going to want to ask some questions. And, and Yeah, it's like, I work. I work from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and then I go, I go home and rest for an hour and go work again. Yeah. I don't complain. I'm lucky I still have a job. Right. So people, I'm lucky I'm still making money. I still having my help here to make money. Right. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. That's, we, we both know your health is everything. It yeah. Away, your, your stuff. I think sure. if you a million dollar, if you don't have the help, you can do nothing with a million dollars. Right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I've been facing you the whole time because I've been riveted by the story, and I appreciate you guys sticking with us. It's a great story, um, phenomenal, and I hope you got something out of it. So, catch you next week. We'll do it again. If you're in Bertram, Texas, go get some coffee. BTX, BTX coffee, and try it out that new manual Vietnamese coffee. Ooh, we got a Vietnamese coffee. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and a professional that said it's it's on task. It's on task. I can tell you that. You can't find anywhere out okay. in Texas, right? <laughs> All right. All right. So we got one bona fide yeah. Vietnamese yeah. coffee.